as thinking I can do something about this, they don't. And right on the other hand, there are multiplied numbers of people in the world that don't even believe in the existence of a devil, let alone that he's trying to do something in their life. And when you start talking about the devil and you start talking about Satan, all right, here's what they want to do. They want to, they want to say, no, don't talk about that. I don't, I, don't, I don't like to talk about that. I don't like to think about that. Well, here's the thing. Whether they like to think about it or talk about it or not, he exists. And he has an agenda. And we have the ability to give no place to him. All right? That word give, it means to give one to someone, to follow him as a leader, or to yield. To give one to someone, which means when I give place to the devil, I give myself to him. All right? Or... I follow him as a leader, or I yield. That, that's the word the Holy Spirit keeps bringing up to me. For the devil to have an opportunity to act in a believer's life, that believer has to follow his lead. They have to yield to him. See, the, the enemy's always trying to get you to yield. He's always trying to get me to yield to him. In, in whatever area it may be. Uh, the examples that Paul used... Uh, yield to lying, yield to anger, uh, and, and, and you name it. Uh, uh, the book of Galatians talks about the works of the flesh, and we'll deal with those in this series before we get done. But So the enemy will try to get you to yield to one of those. Uh, arguing, bickering, lust, uh, anger, whatever it may be. Just yield to that, and what it does is it gives him place. It gives him an opportunity to act. So that's his ultimate goal. Is to get us to yield to that plan and purpose. Which, is, which always opposes God's plan and purpose. Now, in the book of Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to look at some things uh, tonight. Because Ephesians 6 tells us that we are wrestling with principalities and power. We're wrestling with principalities and powers. Ephesians 6 and 12 says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. So Paul says that we're wrestling, but we're not wrestling against flesh and blood. We're not wrestling against flesh and blood. So that tells us that people are never our real enemy. All right? They can give their minds and their thoughts and their mouths and their actions to the enemy and maybe uh, 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 persecute us or make it hard on us or whatever the case may be, but they're never our real enemy. The Bible says that who we're wrestling against are principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness in high places. All right? Well, this word wrestling or wrestle, and, and I want to say this before I go on. I, I taught a lot of this in the series Dress to Kill. Uh, and uh, I'm going back over some of it with, with further insight because I believe that's what the Lord would have me to do. Uh, I, years ago, I read Rick Renner's book of the same name, Dressed to Kill, and, and uh, developed an outline uh, from some of the things the Lord had shown me and things that were in that book. So uh, uh, I just want to be clear on that. Uh, there are some, you've heard some of these things before, but the Holy Spirit will show us new light. Amen? The word wrestle comes from a Greek word, Pele, P-A-L-E, which refers to this, to struggling, to wrestling, or hand-to-hand -hand fighting. Struggling, or wrestling, or hand-to-hand -hand fighting. 
This is the word that the Greeks derived the name for their house of combat sports, the palestra, all right? The palestra. It's, it's where they trained in, in all of their uh, fighting sports, their combat sports. This is, this is where these, the, 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 the young men would come and train. And there were different aspects of these combat sports. We'll go through them right here real quick. Uh, they trained in boxing, which was much more violent than our sport that we know of today. The, the, the gloves would be ribbed with steel, spiked with nails. Uh, sometimes the edges were serrated. In that boxing, the only way to win was either the other person surrendered or they died. That was it. That, that, that was how you won. The other person surrendered or they died. Much more violent. Uh, wrestling. They often wrestled to the death. It was not uncommon to see broken uh, backbones, broken fingers, broken ribs. The men would have their eyes knocked out. Very violent. Now, I'm going all through all this for a reason. Uh, then they had an event called the pancreatist. Pancreatist. That was a combination of all of them. Think modern day MMA. But much more violent. Much more horrific. The word wrestle holds the idea of a bitter struggle, intense conflict. Now, now don't draw a religious context here and miss the point. It's, it's not that we're always beat down and always defeated like a lot of religion says. The, the conflict that we're engaged in is real it can be intense, but remember, Paul said it's possible to give no place to the devil. No place. So Paul is describing our conflict with demonic forces. It's intense. It's, it's bitter. It's real. When we're fighting demonic forces, there's some things to understand. Number one, there are no rules. There are no rules. Number two, anything goes. Now that, 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 that's good news for us. <laughs> right? Anything goes. I, 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 I'm not holding back on the enemy. The third thing is all methods of attack are legal. All methods of attack are legal. And whoever fights the hardest and the meanest and whoever lasts the longest is the winner in our confrontation with the enemy. This is important because that's why we have to be equipped. That's why we have to be prepared before the fight begins. I got to be prepared when the, when the encounter shows up. Amen. Our adversary cannot, this is important, cannot do anything if we won't cooperate with him. If I won't cooperate with the enemy, there's nothing he can do. Oh, glory to God. That's good news. Why? Because he needs my cooperation to get a foothold, to get an opportunity, to get a loophole in my life. But if I'm constantly slamming the door, if I'm constantly meeting his force with the force of the word of God... And the greater one that's in me, nothing he can do. Nothing he can do. Because he can't do anything if I won't cooperate him with him. True spiritual warfare is fought in the minds of men and women. That's true spiritual warfare. He's always looking for an opening, a way to inject a thought, a way to get a thought in, to slip a thought in. So that he can begin to start trying to get you to yield. Don't cooperate. Don't cooperate. 
our enemy is truly not flesh and blood. Hallelujah. He's truly not. But here's the thing. If I won't yield my mind and body to him, he can't win. He can't win. If I won't yield in those areas, he can't win. He can't. Because he does not have the, the authority to make me do something. I have to cooperate. And, and very often you hear believers say, well, you know, the enemy's fighting me. That's what enemies do. That's what enemies do. <laughs> you know, in, in, in athletics, and I mean, of course, uh, growing up playing athletics, I, I played I played all sports. I mean, I played basketball in basketball season, football, baseball. I ran track. Uh, uh, but here's the point. You know, they taught us something called sportsmanship. But here's something else. Notice this. When we were training in football, when we were doing two-a-days, whoo, in Texas in August, all right, much like, you know, Arkansas in August, hot, Kansas in August, hot, and, and our football coach was Larry McNabb. He was a defensive end for Texas A&M in college. I mean, he was, he, was, he, was, he was big then. He would be not real as big now, but he was big then. Six foot five, 300 and some odd pounds. Big man. And he taught sportsmanship in, in this vein. You don't cheat. You don't do anything against the rules. But listen. He drilled this into us. I expect you to knock the guy's head off in front of you. Right? If that receiver is coming across the middle, I'm not going to hold off from hitting him because he's not looking. Are you following me? I'm not going to do anything cheap, but I'm going to put a lick on him. Why? In a much lesser tone, they are the opposition. Right? If, if you're in a game and you're not playing to win the game, it doesn't matter if you stop the opposition or not because you're not playing to win. When you have two teams on a field, one is offensive, one is defensive. Well, the job of the defense is to stop the offense. The job of the offense is to overcome the defense. There, it, there are, there are uh, uh, rules in place to keep the game within the boundaries. There is sportsmanship. But at the end of the day... The defense is supposed to stop the offense. Is that right? Well, understand why I'm saying this. We have an enemy. And if we won't yield to him, he can't win. If everybody on the defense is doing their job to stop the offense, they can't score. The offense is always looking for a way to infiltrate the defense, find a hole in the coverage, find the slowest defensive back, right? Or can we run the ball at, at their guard or at their defense, whatever it may be. How can we do this? So, so what do they do? They have an offensive line. They have a fullback in front of a running back. Right? And, and, the, and the offensive line is blocking and the fullback's clearing the hole. And what's the running back doing? Heading for daylight. Why? Because the ultimate goal is to score against the enemy. 
Glory to God. Our job as believers is not just defend ourselves, but then strike back at the enemy. I'm defending myself. I'm girding up the loins of my mind. I'm keeping my life right. I'm keeping it as pure as I can. But at the same time, I'm taking a blow to the enemy. I'm not just sitting back and playing defense. Defense wins championships because it stops the offense from scoring. But if you have a good defense and your offense can't put numbers on the board, it's just a matter of time before you lose. Why? Because your defense is on the, on the field all day. You are defensive. You are girding up the loins of your mind. You are putting on the whole armor of God. But you also have a sword, which is an offensive weapon, and you're taking just as good as you're getting. Amen. So Romans 6. Romans chapter 6. And... Uh, We'll look at this, Romans 6 and verse 6. It says, Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, with Christ, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Verse 11, Likewise, reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. When we live a crucified life, we can neutralize any attack that the enemy attempts against our flesh. When we live a crucified life. Hallelujah. And dead men and women don't have the capacity to respond. So if I'm living a crucified life, I can neutralize any attack of the enemy. I've got to keep that in my mind. Amen. That's, that's why the Bible tells us over and over again, put to death the deeds of the flesh. Walk in the spirit, you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Uh, I'm crucified with Christ. All these different scriptures that the word of God uses, because when I live a crucified life, the attack of the enemy is neutralized. Because why? He's got to get me to cooperate. He's got to get me to cooperate. Now, Paul said we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but he said we wrestle against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. He used that word against four times in connection with the devil. This is for the sake of emphasis. All right, against, 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 against. You, you see this pattern throughout the word of God. In John 14 and 15, Jesus called the Holy Ghost our comforter four times. He's our comforter. In Exodus 3, 4, God called uh, twice to Moses, Moses, Moses. Uh, in Acts 9-4, Jesus on the road to Damascus said, Saul, Saul. It's for emphasis. Emphasis. The word against comes from a word that we're told always means this. A forward position or a face-to-face -face encounter. A forward position or a face-to-face -face encounter. This means at some point I will come into an eyeball-to-eyeball -eyeball confrontation with evil forces. At some point I'll be face-to-face -face with the enemy because I'm wrestling against. I'm face-to-face. -face. I'm in a confrontation with them. All right, I use this, uh, I said this uh, a week before last, that there are people that they will say, 
you know, well, this thought has been coming into my mind and I've had thoughts of doing this. Recognize that that's not just your mental mind. There's an entity talking. There's an enemy talking. He's trying to move you into something to get you to yield, to, to get you to move away from what God wants you to do. That this is so important because you are at that moment face to face, eyeball to eyeball with the enemy. At that moment. It's what you do in that moment that determines whether you yield or not. Oh, glory. Oh, glory. I can win every time. I can win every time. Why? Because I recognize that. Wait a minute. Hang on. Whoa, 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 whoa. That's not God's thought. That's not my thought. I don't think that way. So what do you do? Slap it down. Refuse it. Lock it out. Amen. Yeah, but what if it comes back? You just do the same thing. Just repeat. Amen. Hallelujah. Why? Because these forces do not change their mode of operation. So here's the thing. Don't you change your mode of operation. Keep your guard up. Recognize, I'm wrestling against not flesh and blood, but against spiritual forces. Oh, glory. And, 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 and here's the thing. It, it goes back to what we taught about exercising our authority. I have been given authority over serpents and scorpions and over all, all, I'll say it one more time for emphasis, all the power of the enemy, all the power of the enemy. Who has authority over it? I do. You do. Amen. So if I won't yield in this face-to-face confrontation, see, I've been saying this, and and I want you to, to understand why I keep emphasizing this. Hollywood has depicted the devil and evil forces as some, something ferocious, something uh, uh, unovercomable, so mighty and powerful. And a lot of that is at the prodding and the prompting of the devil. And so when people think, think about that, and, and unfortunately many believers, they think they're up against an undefeatable foe and, and it's just all this power and all this ability, when in reality, he has no power over you at all if you don't give it to him. Hallelujah. Think about that. That's why when a believer does yield to the suggestion of the enemy, part of the, of the pain and the heaviness they feel is realizing I didn't have to do that. I let the devil get over on me. At least that's how I have felt. Amen. Now, what, what, why is this so important? Because we're, we're going to look at these entities, these principalities and powers and rulers of the darkness of uh, uh, spiritual wickedness in high places. With this understanding, I wrote in my Bible, they are defeated principalities. Defeated powers, defeated rulers of the darkness, defeated spiritual wickedness in high places. They're defeated. That's why they have to get you to yield. They have to get you to cooperate. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So, principalities. That word principalities denotes ancient, ancient, or ancient times. These are demon spirits, 
that have held their positions ever since ancient times. Probably, perhaps, since the fall of Lucifer. So they've been around a long time. Ancient. They, they, they've been around for millennia or longer. Hallelujah. That, that, this, is who we, this is who we wrestle against. Entities, beings that have been around a long time. They've seen a lot. They've probably seen every phase of human history. And part of their job is study people to see how they can infiltrate and get them to yield. Oh, glory to God. Now, when you say something like that, a lot of people will say, well, my Lord, you know, uh, uh, how can we do anything about it? Well, well, we'll get into that. But one of the ways I do that, according to Scripture, is walk in the Spirit. You and I are not just flesh and blood. We're not just a mind. We are a spirit. We have spiritual help. Now, I'm going over this because I want you to understand. So there is a group of these spiritual enemies that have been around a long time. They've seen a lot. Then he said, we wrestle against powers. That word denotes delegated authority. Delegated authority. It means this. It tells us that there's a lower ranking group of demons that have received delegated authority from the devil to do whatever they want to do. They're just running around wreaking havoc. They, 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 they want to do this, they do it. They want to do the other, they do it. Well, that's, that's, that's a group that the believer is in a confrontation with and wrestling against. But we're, remember, we're doing this from a forward position. Not rear guard, forward if, if, if you're in a, a, a military grouping, if you're in the forward battalion or the forward group or the forward position, that means you are up forward on the line in a confrontation with the enemy. You're not in the rear as the believer. You are fully clothed in the armor of God. You have on the armor of light. You have the greater one in you. You have the two-edged sword in your hand. You have the Holy Spirit. You have all the backing of heaven. And you are in a face-to-face, forward position confrontation with the enemy, winning on every turn. Glory to God. And it doesn't matter if they've been around a long time. And it doesn't matter if they have delegated authority to do whatever they want. We have delegated authority from the Lord head of the church to trample on serpents and scorpions and walk over all the power of the enemy. All the power of the enemy. Oh, glory. Hallelujah. And that's this is a large part of the spirit that we see working in the world right now. Is, is these powers. And you know what? I might as well say something because I'm, I'm, just, I'm uh, just, just to put it out there. You know, we see all these groups and, and people talk about all these groups. Antifa and Black Lives Matter and all these groups. And you know, we can explain and tell people where, what the origins of these groups are and how they're Marxist and they are communistic in their, in their structure and in their beliefs. But at the back of it, the spirit that drives that mob mentality is this, this spirit that drives these powers. Riot mentality, just do whatever we want. We have authority over that. We have power over that. Hallelujah. That's why you got to keep your mind filled with the Word of God. And don't allow your mind to get drawn over into that way of thinking and their way of thinking. Because that's what they're trying to do. Oh, glory to God. 
Then he said, we wrestle against rulers of the darkness of this world. Now, I found this interesting because this comes from two Greek words that were told that when they're put together, it denotes raw power that has been harnessed and put into some kind of order. Raw power that has been harnessed or contained and put into some kind of order. So here's what this tells us, that the devil organizes his troops and gives them assignments and then sends them out like troops who are committed to kill. So it's not just helter-skelter. It's not just willy-nilly. There's some organization to what he's doing. Hallelujah. That's why if you go into certain cities, uh, for instance, there's a city in, in Kansas, and I won't name it for the sake of, of just not doing it, but at one time it was called the murder capital of the United States, maybe the world, but, but I know the murder capital of the United States. And when you go to that city to this day, you can feel that spirit. You can sense it. It's just a heaviness. Well, why? Because that spirit's operating there, yet. Because there's an organization in the kingdom of darkness. Hallelujah. And that's why as a believer, it takes discipline. Discipline in your mind, discipline in your, in your flesh, discipline in your actions. Amen. I have to have a discipline to overcome this. Discipline in what I watch. Discipline in what I listen to. Discipline in what I give my attention to. This should be common knowledge. But folks, don't ever give yourself to fear. Don't watch scary movies. Don't, don't watch horror movies. None of them. Well, why not? You know, it's harmless. It's not harmless. There's fear embedded in that. I, I don't care what it is. There's, there's fear embedded in that. We're, we're coming up on the time that the world, you know, uh, uh, celebrates Halloween. And, and, and uh, <laughs> one thing I'm kind of thankful for in the time we're in is, is there's not going to be a lot of it going on. But the point is, is, you know, people will say, well, that's harmless. And that, you know, it doesn't mean anything. And it's just a fun day. It's a trick of the enemy to get fear into the hearts of people. It's not harmless. You know, God doesn't have a problem with your child dressing up and maybe going to an event or something of that nature. But one of the strongest commands that He gives us throughout the Word of God and one of the major commands is this, fear not. Anything that produces fear, we know it's of the devil. But if I just open the door and let it in, now I'm yielding to it. Now I'm yielding to it. And that's where the enemy gets a large uh, 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 hook into people's lives is by what they watch on the television, what they watch on their computer, watch what they allow into their lives. Amen. And, and, and that should not be a part of what we do. That should not be a part of our lives. you got to discipline yourself. Amen. Yeah, but you know, you know that the, it's, just, it's just a movie and you know, I mean, I know that's not real. Yeah, but here's the thing. What impact did it have on your spirit? 
that there are things that we wouldn't think that way about in other things. I got to guard against that. I have to have this discipline. I was taking Lily on a bike ride the other day, kind of helping her ride her bike, and we went down around the cul-de-sac in our uh, street, and then we went back up the stop sign. We're right adjacent to the the stop sign there is a house. It's right there on the hill. And uh, they have a lot of Halloween stuff out. And, of course, Lily, she said against Halloween. We don't like Halloween, she says. But uh, so I, I, I took her up and turned her around. And uh, the, the lady in that house was coming out. And all of a sudden I heard Lily say, excuse me, ma'am. I thought, oh, Lord. And she goes, uh, Halloween is over. And, of course, the lady didn't hear her. But, you know, there, there's Lily preaching against fear. But <laughs> the point is, a lot of Christians have no discipline. They have no commitment, no organization. We have more authority than the devil. The greater one lives in us. But if there is a lack of organization and commitment, it hinders the way I'm able to exercise my authority. I mean, there are believers can't stay in, in the same church for more than a year. And, and that same believer will wonder why the enemy has an inroad into their life. Because it takes commitment. Paul said, and I'm getting ahead of myself for other messages, he said, when you've done all to stand, stand. Well, that stand denotes a commitment. I'm here, and I'm not going anywhere. I'm I'm committed to this. Amen. Do you see that? Some some time ago, uh, there were were different things in my life, and I say different things. One thing in particular that the enemy kept trying to slip into my life and slip into my thought patterns. And man, there, there, there were times, you know, uh, maybe you haven't ever done this, but there were times I would, I would yield to that thought. I would yield to that feeling. I would yield to what was going on. And, and you know, it, it would produce a setback in my life. It would produce whatever, you know, whatever you want to call it. And, and I would have to spend time digging myself out of that mental pit that I'd put myself in. And, and it may not be a, a, a sin, it may just be a temptation, or it may be whatever, but here's the thing. When you begin to develop a discipline, I'm not thinking on that. I'm not going down that road. I'm not even opening that door. Matter of fact, I'm chaining the door shut. I'm welding the lock closed. I'm, I'm nailing two-by-fours up over the entrance. I'm never going in that room again. What have you now done? You're standing against that. Amen. Takes my discipline to do that. God will always back up the stand that you take. But God will never initiate the stand. I've got to initiate the stand. That's why Ephesians 6 was not written to God. It was written to believers. And he said, believer, having done all to stand, stand. In other words, when you have overcome all, stand. Stay committed. Stay disciplined. Because victory is yours. Then he said... We wrestle against spiritual wickedness in high places. That word is used to depict something that's bad or vile or vicious or malignant. Now that word really stuck out to me. Something that is malignant. Well, when you think of something malignant, you think of a malignant tumor, a malignant cancer cell. Well, no one has ever been diagnosed with a malignancy and been okay with it. Immediately, you want it out of your body. 
Why? Because it's bad, it's vile, it's vicious, and it's malignant. Glory to God. That reveals Satan's aim. That's his desire, is to afflict people in all manner of bad, vile, vicious, malignant ways. That's what he wants to do. And he doesn't care how he's got to do it. He'll do it through, he'll do it through sickness. He'll do it through poverty. He'll do it through unrest. He'll do it through riots. He'll do it through prejudice. It doesn't matter. His goal is to afflict humanity in those manners. Glory to God. And that's what we're standing against. That's what we're wrestling against. And when I come to understand that, I understand that I don't want to yield my mind to this because this is what he's trying to bring into my life. Bad, vile, vicious, malignant things. And if I yield to that, he'll get a loophole, he'll get a foothold, he'll get an opportunity to act. Glory to God. But it is possible to not give him an opportunity. Hallelujah. Well, how do I do that? First Peter gives us an indication. You know, when I was uh, coming up in church, of course, I came up in Pentecostal circles. And, uh, you know, we loved the Lord. We knew about the power of the Holy Ghost and, and the power of God. But you were constantly hearing about uh, people that would fall or uh, they fell into this or the enemy this. And, and even in testimony services, you would hear things. Now, maybe not these exact words, but it was the indication you know, the devil's just beating me about from pillar to post. And, and you know, you would hear people say, the devil's just kicking me around like a football and, and all these different things. And somehow that was portrayed as a level of spirituality. Woo, the devil's just making it rough, kicking me around, beating me up, knocking me around. Well, how could he do that? He allowed it. Do you remember what Jesus said? He said, when a strong man is armed, he keeps his house. He said, but when a stronger than him comes, he takes away from him his armor that he trusted in. Well, we know the stronger man is Jesus. And that the enemy is trying to keep people's lives and, and, and keep control. But when the greater one comes, the armor is taken away. Well, Hebrews 1 says that Jesus did that. It says that he destroyed him that had the power of death, that is the devil. The word destroyed there literally means to strip or to make naked and to paralyze. Well, the armor that the enemy trusted in has been taken from him. And he's been paralyzed or neutralized by his defeat through Christ. What's my job as a believer? What's your job as a believer? Enforce that victory. Think about that for a moment. All I have to do is come on the scene in the power of Jesus Christ, the power of the Spirit, operate in the authority that Jesus gave me and keep my foot on the neck of a paralyzed naked devil. Think about it. Yeah, but you know, Pastor, you just said principalities and powers and rulers of the darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness in high places. Exactly. And they are all defeated. They have all had their weaponry taken from them. They've been disarmed. The kingdom of darkness has been disarmed by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And then he left us on this earth as an occupying force to keep them disarmed. That's why they have to use your help to win. They have to. Why? They don't have any weapons. 
Thank you, Lord. The enemy's job, the enemy's desire is always to keep the church in a defeated position through... Help me say that right, Lord. Through ignorance of their weapons or not believing that they have any weapons. When you read, read through the book of First and Second Samuel and it talks about the army of Israel and it talks about Saul and Jonathan, it says something. It says that among the people of Israel that there were no swords except in the hands of, of, of Saul and his sons. So the, the army, the, the soldiers in the army, they, they would use implements, you know, farming implements, axes, things of that nature. And it says why. It says because there were no blacksmiths in the, in the nation of Israel because the Philistines... Removed them all. Why? They didn't want Israel to be able to make weapons. Do you see this? So the enemy knows the power and the authority you have. He can't stand against it. So he's got to try to disarm you. He needs your help. He needs you to lay down your weapon. Right? He needs you to open your mind up. He's the one that has no weapons. He's the one that has no armor. Notice that the Bible never says that you have the armor of God and he has the armor of Satan. No, the devil has no armor. Jesus took it. He took it. And he says, I need you to enforce what I did. This is so important. When, when I learned this, I had to repent before God. Father, I repent for ever allowing the enemy to deceive me into taking that action or deceive me into feeling that way or deceive me into thinking that way. He doesn't have the authority to make me do that. People will get up and you'll say, how you doing? Well, you know, kind of had one of them down days, kind of a blue day. Hey, that was the devil. That was the devil. Believers should not have down days. I didn't get too many amens off that, but believers should not have down days, blue days, blue Mondays, terrible Tuesdays, wacky Wednesdays. No, 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 no. Every day we're full of the joy of the Lord, which is our strength. Every day we're walking in peace and victory. Every day is just like yesterday, good and getting better. Why? Because our enemy, if there's nothing else to rejoice over, my enemy is defeated. Hallelujah. Whew. Isn't that good news? And so the enemy will always try to disarm you. But he doesn't have any weapons to do that with other than suggestion and thoughts. It's important. So Peter gives us an indication here how we win. 1 Peter 1 and 13. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Now, the Lord has really had me looking at punctuation in Scripture lately. And not because it's holy, but just to get this. I, I did this Monday night in Bible school. He says, wherefore... Gird up the loins of your mind, comma. So he's not stopped. He's going to add to it. But first of all, first step, gird up the loins of your mind. Now this brings two things to my mind. First of all, the illustration uh, that this gives in the Greek, we're told, of a runner. All right, that, that, that he would gather up maybe the flowing robe that he was wearing or, or the long robe, whatever it may be, and tuck it underneath the, the belt 
that he had on so he could run the race. Gird up the loins of your mind. The second thing that it brings to my mind is Pastor Michelle was preaching this one time and uh, used this illustration, and she said, you got to put a girdle on your mind. Now, for many, I, I, rem- I remember what a girdle is. If, if you're my age, you remember what a girdle is. Well, a girdle is, is something some years ago that a, a, a lady may put on to help her uh, uh, be slimmer. We'll say it that way. Girdle. All right? It girds things up. Right? I mean, that's what compression pants do or compression tops or compression socks. They gird everything up. Amen. They keep everything compact. Right? He says, gird up the loins of your mind. Tie the loose ends together. The other thing that it brings to my mind is, of course, I, I grew up in West Texas and, and did a lot of, uh, it was basically my job the whole time I was there. Uh, I did a lot of, 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 of working with livestock, a lot of working with horses. I team roped. I broke horses. I mean, uh, I, I can't tell you how many horses I've saddled. And one thing that you did was when you put that saddle on the horse, you have what is called a front cinch and a back cinch. All right? Well, the, the, the tightness or the looseness of that cinch would, would, is what causes that saddle to either be loose or solid on that horse, on that animal. And so you put the blankets on that horse, one or two, depending on, on, on what you're doing. And a horse, at their shoulders, they have an area that's called the withers. W-H-I-T-H-E-R-S, the withers. All right? It, it, it would be like the, the, the bone right here where your, your neck and your shoulders meet up. And some horses have prominent high withers and some have flat withers. Well, if you got a horse with flat withers, you don't need maybe two. You don't need uh, maybe two blankets because you're not going to rub that, those withers. If you got a horse with high withers, now I'm, this is all going to make sense. You got to use a couple blankets because there's more room to rub. But here's something else: if you've got a horse with high withers, you don't have to cinch that front and back cinch down as tight because there's stability there under the pommel of that saddle. If you've got a horse with flat withers, you got to crank the cinch down on that saddle because there's nothing for it to hold on to. And if, if you're out in the field, if you're out in the pasture, the wheat circle, the corn circle, wherever you're at, and you're doctoring calves, and you got a three, four, five hundred ca- uh, pound calf that you got a rope, and you're by yourself, well, you, you, the first thing you do before you jump to rope that animal is you check your cinch. You make sure it's tight. Why? Because 500 pounds is going to be at the end of that rope and it's going to be attached to that saddle. And you're on the saddle. Are you following me? And if I'm cinched down and I'm tight, it doesn't matter what pull I get on that saddle, I'm not going anywhere. Because I have girded up the loins of my mind. I've girded up the loose ends of my mind. And no matter what the enemy throws, there's no crack, there's no crevice, there's no way in. The door's not ajar a little bit. I have cinched up my mind and there's no way for him to get in. No way. Oh, glory to God. Do you see that? I can't ever allow my mind to go unchecked. Don't ever just veg out. I'm serious. You know, I've said to people, I say, what are you doing today? Well, I'm just kind of laying on the couch, vegging out. Don't ever do that. Now, when I say that, I don't mean don't rest. And, and I know there's a time that you don't think on anything that's maybe of major importance, but you want to always be guarding your mind. Amen. You know, I have a habit. Am I helping y'all? I have a habit. I have, uh, 
uh, three doors that'll get you in my house. Front door, garage door, back door. Pretty normal. But you know, I can get up in the morning and never go in and out my front door. There's days I do that. But do you know before I go to bed every night, I check the front door? I know it's probably locked, but I'm going to go check. Why? I'm responsible for those that are in that home. Right? I will open the, the door that goes into the garage and look and make sure I put the garage door down. I know I did, but I'm going to look. And then I'm going to shut that door and lock it. Then I'm going to go through my kitchen and go over to the back door and make sure I locked it. Why? I'm responsible for the inhabitants of that home. I know where the devices of protection are in my home. I put them there for a specific reason so I can grab it if I need it. If anybody would try to breach the door of my home, I'm ready to meet force with force. See, this is important. That, that is the believer choosing to live a surrendered life. The door is shut. I, I don't have to check my mind. It's already girded up. It's already cinched up. It's already tight. He went on and said, be sober. That, that word is sober-minded. Don't just let your mind be flapping out there in the breeze. Hallelujah. Do, 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 do you see this? This is so important. This is so important. Because just like you wouldn't go to bed without checking your door as the husband, the father of that home, you should not go through any day without the loins of your mind girded up. Don't give the enemy a chance. Start off in the morning. Start off in the morning praying in the Holy Ghost. Get, give the Lord at least a good hour of praying in the Holy Spirit. I'm not giving you a formula, I'm just saying. Man, you start the day off getting into the Spirit, getting into the things God wants you to see, and, and it's working on your mind. And all throughout the day, when thoughts show up, you cast them down. You keep the door shut. It doesn't matter what it is where you're not going to make it. Me fail? Impossible. I always win. Glory to God. Whatever it may be, I'm keeping the door shut. And what happens then is I become an awesome weapon in the hands of God. Because there's nothing the enemy can do to stop what God wants to do in our lives. This is so important. This is so important. So every day, just go through the checklist. I got my mind girded up. I'm surrendering my life. I'm doing what the Lord wants me to do. I'm keeping the door shut. It's not legalism. It's protection. I remember this very vividly. I'll say this and we'll be done. Uh... We, we, we went one time to a relative's home. And, uh, of course, I had Lily and she, I think she had just turned three. Maybe, yeah, just turned three because it would have been around Thanksgiving. And uh, we went in their home. And, and I'm not saying anything bad against them. It's, it's not. But I, we went in their home. And they had uh, on the, the TV, uh, uh, Harry Potter was on. And uh, uh, it was, I don't know what scene it was. I'm not familiar with the movies. But it was, uh, it was a very intense scene. And, well, Lily's never watched anything like that. And uh, immediately she was like, ooh, and, and it, it just took her back. And, of course, uh, the persons whose house were at, the very loving, kind people, they said, oh, honey, we're sorry that bothers you, and they turned it off. So thank God. But here's the point. That's how it should be with believers. Those things should be foreign to us. 
I'm not just talking about Harry Potter movies or fear movies. I mean the things of the enemy. Immediately, a defense mechanism should come up. No, no, that's not my thought. That's not God's thought. That's not what God told me. And what are we doing when we do that? We're giving no place. We're giving no place to the enemy. If he comes around wanting to have place, you just tell him, as my pastor said years ago, this is not your place. You got to go somewhere else. Amen? Hallelujah. Well, stand up, everybody. Praise.